23 years ago, um, well, you know, some of you might remember, you know, a few maybe. In 1999, April, uh, not April, August 17th, 1999, there was a major earthquake here in, in Turkey, just south of Istanbul. And my wife and I, we had been in New York City for two and a half months, part of a, um, a big campaign, a soul-winning campaign called Good News New York, where we had over 50,000 people saved. Our pastor was doing a, a major campaign using Madison Square Garden, which is pretty much world-renowned for the basketball and everything. So we had meetings there every night. You know, um, a lot of also big names came and preached. Reinhard Bonka before. Of course, he's, he's with the Lord now. And T.D. Jakes and, of course, Dr. Rodney, Howard Brown. I mean, he was the headliner, but others that would come and preach. And then during the day, we were leading soul-winning teams throughout the five boroughs of New York City and um, the gospel soul winning script that we use here we teach you guys to go win souls that was developed in in 99 the summer of 99 and the campaign was finished and um, Pastor Rose and I I mean we we went there on faith I mean we we had $20 in our pocket when we went to New York City uh, so we had finished Bible school um, of course, before that, for two years, I was in Turkey, part of a mission organization called Operation Mobilization from 96 through 98. And then we left. We got married in 98. February, we went to Tampa, Florida. We did a year of the Bible school. And then when the Bible school was done, we joined the team and we were in New York City that whole summer. And um, we had an, I had an offer to come, come to Tampa, be on staff. To, to be the outreach coordinator for the church, River Tampa Bay, and then train the Bible school students, pretty much what we did in New York. So I had that offer, and then uh, we had that offer together, obviously. And then um, they said, somebody needs to, to drive the ministry truck down to Florida. And it's a long drive. It's a two-day drive. I mean, America is a big, big country. You know, to go from New York City down to Tampa, Florida, that's like a... 18-hour drive with a big truck uh, so we loaded up all this all the items from the office the temporary office we had in New York City um, you know all the books left over and just papers and just bunch of stuff and we packed up um, the truck and then she's in the apartment in Queens New York Queens um, and then I finished I came the apartment I was exhausted we went to bed we're gonna wake up the next morning and we're gonna begin to begin the drive it's gonna be a two-day drive so we're gonna stop somewhere in the middle you know we wake up in the morning and and a couple of people that were in the apartment with us and uh, Zach Smith you, you remember him worship leader and then he comes to me he goes have you heard the news like what news there was a major earthquake in Turkey it's all over the news well, we didn't have access to television. Of course, this is 99. You can't just go watch, you know, clips or look at Twitter and see what's going on. Nothing, you know. So we were just kind of clueless. I was like, oh, yeah, we all have earthquakes in Turkey all the time. You know, it's just kind of what I said. So we started to drive. We started the drive. We drove all day, kind of clueless. But I called my parents. 
we're talking on the cell phone. They said, oh, you know, it's, this is a big one. It's just, just south of Istanbul. It's even affected parts of Istanbul and down in the whole Yalova area. And thousands of people are homeless. People are living on the streets. I mean, it was a major deal. I think, I think now 50, maybe 50,000 people died, probably more, but, you know, maybe 100,000 people died. And then millions of people homeless now living in tents and all kinds of stuff. We finally arrive that night. We get into a little hotel room, and I turn on TV, and I'm watching CNN. I'm, I hate to admit it, that I, I was watching Communist News Network. They, they weren't as communist then as they are now, but or should I say counterfeit news network, but whatever. So I'm just glued to the TV. I'm seeing all this. It's pretty, pretty big. And we're sitting there in the hotel room just weeping. We felt the call. To come back to turkey we thought we would wait another year or two i mean i i don't know but of course we had an offer to, to go on staff and um you know start out in the ministry back there and then and now we feel the call we've got to go back we've got to go back so we finished the drive the next day second day we get we get into tampa i emailed my pastor i said we feel we need to go now I thank you for the offer to be on, on your staff, but we feel we need to go to Turkey now. And he said, you need to go now. He said, you need to go now. So the next Sunday, he prayed over us. Uh, they released us. They received an offering for, to send us away, which was just enough to get our plane tickets and suitcases, one-way tickets, and get over here. I mean, no apartment, no, no house, no furniture, nothing. I mean, just, just showed up with suit. That's what we always do. We just show up with suitcases. All you need is some clothes on your back and a few dollars to eat your first few meals, you know, really, honestly. So anyways, that was it. A week later, towards sometime, I can't remember exact date now, but probably August 27th or 28th or something like that, about 10 days in after the whole thing, we arrived in Istanbul. And um, uh, our pastor, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, he said, just go. I'll send some teams to help you. And then they sent a team of six students. Three different teams came. And my dad came on a couple of the teams. Um, and we mainly we went down to the earthquake area, uh, just evangelizing, you know. Um, I jokingly say I was having 10 crusades. Not like the tent crusades in Africa, you know, not like bunkies, 100,000 cedar tents, but people were living in tents. And I'd go preaching in tents, little tiny tents, and 15, 20, 30 people would gather in a tent, you know, and we'd be preaching. I'd literally just do altar calls. We mobilized. We were leading hundreds of people to the Lord. I mean, people were so open to the gospel. And then I get a call and a letter from the... Um, Turkish Evangelical Council or whatever they were called uh, at the time like it's just like a, all the churches all the Turkish pastors and churches or whatever and they said uh, they said you need to leave you can't be preaching in the earthquake area that's not right they said you're taking advantage of people's emotional distress can you imagine I mean that's like there's no better time to preach the gospel when people have just faced death everyone knows somebody who died most of them had to crawl out of buildings i mean they're all like 
like you start talking about death and heaven and hell they're all like yes i, I want to go to heaven i mean i want to know i mean it, i it, it, i mean it was shockingly because i mean 90s in turkey okay you have to understand when i started out in the ministry in 96 here in turkey 96 and 97 i was arrested 12 times detained four days beaten by the anti-terrorism unit because they said i was a terrorist for distributing bibles and preaching the gospel you know i preached in one church the police came and took me after i preached and they beat me i mean that's how it was in the 90s 12 different times i was interrogated detained you know we were constantly under threats like that you know it, it was not an easy time in the 90s and now here i am in 99 and i've never seen my country as open people were so open to the gospel we've distributed water and food and other things and so the first two teams that came september october i think the other one was right before in november you know we we were in the earthquake zone and then we would come to istanbul i did some ministry here i did i preached in a few churches here um i preached in a church out here in kadiköy preached and did an altar call like a dozen people came to answer the altar call and they were shocked because they never did altar calls you know and then i remember after the service one guy came and said i'm so upset with you i said why because i've been coming to this church for two years very comfortable today you made me feel uncomfortable i said why because you told me i have to make a decision <laughs> you know, he wasn't even saved he just been coming to church for two years not even saved and then i'm given an altar call and there were a few africans it's a international church there so one african was coming up and then boom fell out under the power of god on the way to the altar everybody went <gasps> like they'd never seen that before so you know i mean we had no pentecostal we had no pentecostal move in our nation we had no and today's pentecost sunday and this is the reason i'm, I'm touching on these things we had no pentecost we have and had no pentecostal heritage we had no Pentecostal, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, laying on of hands, gifts of the Spirit, power of the Holy Ghost. We had none of that. We had zero. When, I, when we started the church in 99, there were only about 500 Christians, born-again Christians in our country. Only about a dozen established churches. So we are the first Pentecostal church in this nation so pastor Rose and I when we founded this church it was the first unashamedly Pentecostal Holy Ghost move of God power of God bam Holy Ghost boom fire the Holy Ghost church there was no such thing okay so in November, the third team, I guess, that came, we kind of begin to shift away from the earthquake zone to more doing ministry in Istanbul. We started to evangelize here in, in Taksim Square. And then uh, on that third team, there was a black American, African-American guy named, was it Michael? Yeah, Michael. So, and, um, and so he was breakdancing in Taksim and then police came almost got me in big trouble but <laughs> apparently he had run into some Africans and they talked and 
we, we were going to do meetings. So we did three meetings in a hotel, and the hotel was called Riva, R-I-V-A. And the church is River, so people got it confused. Riva Church. Riva, you know. <laughs> but it was River, River Riva church but anyhow so we did some meetings and people started to get touched and then um about the time there was a, t a group of people that came well it was an evangelist he's also gone home to be with the lord now but his name is banked wedelman he was from uh sweden Uppsala, from the word of life movement and they had after the fall of communism they had done major missions work in eastern europe and so they had planted many many churches throughout you know armenia ukraine you know the eastern european countries and so they were gonna they were having a conference here and i went and i was a part of the team i preached ministered and then there were pastors there and there was a group that said would you come to bulgaria would you come to albania we have like 30 churches we'll open them all up to you you can do one week of revival in each church i mean when you're in Turkey there's like you know very little and then you have this invitation to go to all these hungry places I thought man this is like a revivalist dream you know come to each church have a week bring the fire of God bring the move of God in Bulgaria Albania we could have spent six months there and um and that sounded very enticing if you think about that so I called my pastor I told him this is what he said nope you're not doing that you call to Turkey you're gonna plant a church there I said pastor it's like it's like nobody here nobody wants me they hate me already I mean because I was getting let threatening letters from other pastors that they were I mean they, they were angry with me because we were preaching the gospel on the streets they said you can't do that in Turkey this is Turkey you can't do that you know and they said and then of course people were getting upset that I was having healing meetings laying hands on people power of God was knocking people down and all that kind of stuff so it was Thanksgiving in America so that's the last week of, of November or whatever and our pastor was doing like a Thanksgiving mini camp meeting just some meetings he said nope you get on a plane right now you come back to Tampa I, I'm gonna talk to you so we got on a plane we flew to Tampa to the Thanksgiving camp meeting we were there like four days of meetings and he says you're not going to Bulgaria you're not going to Albania all this stuff because you you need to be in Turkey I said all right fine I'll obey obviously you know but you know because when you have that opportunity it's very enticing man I can go I, I have I've got preaching lined up for the next six months and here you're trying you're preaching to 10 people they're sitting there looking at you like this you know so so we came back and when we came back um we did six meetings and that's what that's pastor gava was in those meetings so again in the same hotel in toxin we we did six meetings we called them healing and miracle services and we had handbills printed we were passing them out in toxin and then the first meeting we had eight people and six of them were on the team so two people two Turkish guys showed up and they were trying to hit up the team for money 
And one of the guys on the team gave him a whole bunch of money, so I had to take all the money back. So you're not giving people money because you'll never see the, the, of course, we never saw them again. But the third meeting, there was a guy that came on crutches, a Nigerian footballer. Remember his name? What's his name? Huh? Yeah. So he, third meeting, he came on crutches. The crowd's growing a little bit. Now we got about a 15 people. So he came in on crutches and I'm preaching. And um, now I preached on healing. I'm going to lay hands on people to be healed. So I said, so he comes here on crutches. All right. I put my hand on him. Power of God. I feel the power of God hit him. And the power of God hit him and he jumps. He throws the crutches. He throws the crutches. He goes like this, but then he runs out the building. He leaves. He ran and he left. I'm like, I guess he's got an urgent thing to get to I, you know, now that he's healed. But then the power of God began to fall. I prayed for more, more people. People getting touched. About 15 minutes later, he comes back. He's got grocery bags, cookies, and juice he wants to celebrate his healing and he's dancing you know you know i have a very big gado always by my side very big gado by my side by my side so he comes and he goes i want to celebrate so he was a footballer he had come obviously he had a knee injury he was cut i can't remember it Chanakale Dardanaspor someplace like and then he got healed and he testified and next service door opens like 40 Africans show up and now they're outnumbering the Turks there's like there's like maybe 10 white people and the rest of the and I'm looking at my wife going we are in Turkey or are we in Africa what's what's going on here I mean I I didn't realize obviously I've been away I mean I didn't realize that there was a now a forming and fairly new at the time obviously just in the last few few years of an African community was forming here in Istanbul not as big as it's now it's huge now maybe a few hundred of you guys were here then I wasn't really aware of it you know but and then um uh, that's the story and then sixth meeting we had 120 people 126 to be exact place was packed Africans are dancing I mean it was and the Turks are going what is going on and then um and then I stood there that sixth meeting I think the meeting was on a Friday night if I'm not mistaken maybe Thursday or Friday night and then I, I stood there and I, I announced by the Holy Ghost, because we weren't planning anything. We were just doing meetings just to see where it was going to go. I stood there and I announced, I said, December 5th, Sunday, will be the first Sunday morning service of River Church Istanbul. Come here, be with us. And I make the announcement and I'm thinking to myself, I haven't even talked to the hotel yet. I don't even know if it's available. You know, but I just announced it by the Holy Ghost and then I went and said, 
we needed Sunday morning. Of course, who's going to use a hotel ballroom on a Sunday morning? So it was available. So we had the first Sunday morning service. And then I realized, and then I had to start preaching in English with Turkish translation because now we have a, all of a sudden we have immediately a, a multicultural, you know, multinational, multilingual church right off the bat. And right off the bat, it was the largest church in Turkey. Because, I mean, most of the churches were running like 20, 30 people. Just like that in a week's time, we had like 125 people. And then, while we're doing evangelism, over by the St. Saint Antoine, St. Anthony's Catholic Church, another black man comes up to me and he goes, and we start talking, and he was an islander. He was a Caribbean islander. I can't remember. He was from one of the Caribbean islands. So he was not an African. Um, and he had a, like a British accent. He was one of the, you remember the guy? Scott Martins from where oh he's from Cameroon but he I thought he was from one of the islands oh he claimed from he claimed to be from he claimed to be from from the Caribbean islands but he was really a Cameroonian oh, okay that explains a lot about him that that explains a lot about him <laughs> And he comes and says to me, hey, why don't you come and uh, speak, uh, speak to the group. What group? Well, we meet in the basement of the Catholic Church. There's a big, big group that meets in the basement of the Catholic Church. Would you come speak to them? And the funny thing was I had a dream. A few weeks prior to that, I had a dream that I was preaching in a Catholic Church. I mean, you want to talk about Catholic, I mean, statues and smoke and candles i mean the whole shebang catholic <laughs> and as i was preaching in the catholic church the power of god was falling and people were boom boom falling out of the pews even <laughs> knocking over candlesticks <laughs> in my dream i thought that is a crazy dream what what and then this guy invites oh god oh that's it lord i said yes i'll come see i had already a word from the lord because i thought to myself what what am i gonna i mean what am I getting myself into? Because he said, you can do the scripture reading of the day. Like, I'm going to get up there. They're going to hand me a scripture. And I'm going to read the scripture for, I get, I get two minutes. You know, like, what am I going to do in that? I'm not, I'm not getting myself into that mess. Yeah, you know. But the Lord said, go. So we went. I came there and I think, I mean, Pastor Rose was there. and Oh, she, she didn't come. I guess I had a few people with me from the church, but I can't remember who was with me. But I show up, and then um, there's about 40, 50 Africans there, all African, stuck in the basement. They won't bring them out. They just stuck them in the basement. So, <laughs> listen, you, you remember the, uh, you remember the, uh, uh, um, the Filipina Filipina nun what was her name Rosella so there's a Filipina nun another nun and a priest all decked out you know they're sitting there the two not no Namde was there in the meeting though he was not with me no 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 but he was in the meeting but he he didn't come with me but listen, so the two nuns are sitting, the two nuns are sitting there and the priest is sitting there. And I get up. They did the little thing. That guy did his little thing. So he hands me the paper. 
scripture reading of the day and I look at it like this and I go and then I start to pray okay everybody lift your hands father in the name of Jesus made the power of the Holy Ghost move in this place. as I said it the nun boom fell out of the chair and rolled she rolled over and hit the, the priest in his foot And the priest goes, oh, what is this? And then he ran, he leaves. The priest left, which is good. And now I'm standing, looking at this. The priest leaves. The guy, the fake Islander, the fake Caribbean. <laughs> In reality, a Cameroonian pretending to be from Jamaica or someplace I don't know where he claimed he was from <laughs> he's looking at me I'm looking at him and the Africans go preach 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 <laughs> remember that you were there so I preached for 30 minutes gave an altar call lined up everybody started laying hands on them power of God began to hit the Africans and then we ended up pretty much shutting that thing down i mean it went on with the religious state but then like a whole bunch of people followed us to the river some of them came to the bible school pastor priscilla was one of them namdi was one of them and i think those are about the two remnant that remain from that so it's kind of a very very interesting very unique way how everything started but i mean you know nothing was by design nothing was planned everything was by the holy ghost everything just was just a flow everything was just supernatural everything was just by the holy ghost really honestly and then so then i'll never forget you were there pastor rose prayed with you to receive the lord because we had just gone into this place and then you came to the lions hotel wednesday night i was preaching it was an offering message I have a good memory. I even remember what you were wearing. No. I do remember you had more curly, longer hair. Pretending to be a footballer. <laughs> Anyhow, so... so. Come here. Lucas, come here. Come here, come here, quickly. So I want you to imagine Pastor Godville. With that, but take out the sides. But something like that. <laughs> so I'm preaching on the offering and I see this man over here second row to my right I said sir come here the power of God is all over you come out here stand here lift your hands close your eyes as you do <clears throat> 
the power of God comes on you, whew, and the power of God hit you, you fell out, and then I, I remember I said, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the Lord radically touched you. And then you still wanted to pursue football. I said, you called to the ministry. You need to come to Bible school. And he got a little offended with me, I think. He left for a couple of weeks. I'm just telling the truth. It's 2000. It's, it's 2000. Probably February. And then you showed up a couple of weeks later and said, Pastor, you're right. I need to come to Bible school. So he came to Bible school. And then you came to Bible school. And then you guys met. And I married you, what, now 20 years ago? 20 years ago. First couple I married here in Istanbul was this couple. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Aww. Come on, everybody say, <laughs> And then I remember Eben. He was like, what, three or four, maybe four years old, four or five, five years old. He'd sleep under the chairs while his mom was in Bible school at night. Then I see people we married, having babies. Now babies are growing. Irene's almost 18, not a baby anymore, a big baby. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's pretty phenomenal. The work that the Lord did here through the church, the Bible school. Then on 2007, the Lord opened the door for me to go on television to become the first Turkish man ever to preach the gospel on television back then we called it um, Eurasian Christian television network now it's called Kanal Hayat which is just celebrated 15 years in March been on television for 15 years we received over probably 3 million contacts to the television programs and we started broadcasting first church to start live streaming services here when you could barely get any good you know internet speed or whatever i think in 2000 maybe eight i believe eight or nine huh seven 2007 we started broadcasting services internet services hundreds and thousands of people would watch us all over so media ministry was always a big thing because we knew that our reach would always be beyond this little room here you know so many have been reached and then 2007 again I started doing a lot of leadership conferences around Turkey and then the Lord began to open it up because um, we were like on the backside of the desert we were like lepers you know a lot of the missionaries a lot of the churches they wouldn't even really talk to us because we're Pentecostal you know they say you're a cult they called us a cult because we speak in tongues because they're a lot of them are you know like Baptist or Presbyterian or Calvinist, you know, someone Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, vegetarian, <laughs> full of Pharisees and Sadducees and wouldn't seize and couldn't seize. A lot of religion. Of course, we are in a very religious nation too. There's a very strong religious spirit here. So 
even a lot of people that get saved out of Islam coming to the church they never really break out of that religious mentality that religious spirit so they stay very religious a lot of the churches just was religious and legalistic and um, but then there was a remnant of Africans they loved the Holy Ghost and you guys helped us you guys helped us because to reach the nation because I cannot even you know it's very hard I thought you know that's why I was ready to go to Bulgaria or Albania because I mean how do you build a church with five ten Turkish people I mean and half of them don't come back and then you know it's a very slow process you're trying to break through in a the largest unreached nation in the world I mean in in the mission organization circles Turkey was referred to as the largest unreached nation in the world 500 Christians in a country of 75 million people now I think it's 85 almost 90 million people so but of course now with a lot of expatriates a lot of foreigners coming of course a lot of Africans now with the schools same thing when I you know went to northern Cyprus we had, I had a, we had a meeting 300 Africans and like three Turks because all the students so uh, obviously God's God's doing a work here and I've always told our dear African family you guys are here don't, you know, don't think that you're just here to work a job or to go to school God sent you here you are here for a purpose you are here to be light you are here to be light you are here to be the salt you are you are here to 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 establish the kingdom of God don't do your own thing you're not even if you're here just for an education or whatever a business but understand that as a Christian you have a purpose you are here for a reason you are a missionary and and some of our African students and you know come on And I don't want to just see Africans. Now, of course, we have a lot of Filipinos too. And that have come through our Bible school just as well. I mean, you didn't come here just to be a nanny or clean a house or whatever. You're here sent on an assignment. You represent the kingdom of God in a nation where the gospel hasn't really been established. And now we are establishing the gospel. Of course, we are in Istanbul, the biggest city. There's a lot more Christians than you. But you can go to some cities in Turkey. There's not even a single Christian. Not even one. You know so think about that and and I'm so proud of all of our people because you guys have done more for the gospel in the kingdom than so-called real missionaries that come here American missionaries they come here they go live on the beach they go live on a beach villa and then then they're suffering for Jesus give me a break and I've seen everything I mean I've seen everything this is my 27th year in full-time ministry I've seen everything I've seen everything you can imagine so just the fact that we are here and I mean we had to break through so many times I mean you have no idea how much behind the scenes of persecution and attacks and 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 opposition and adversity we've had to deal with behind the scenes and uh, we would come here on Sunday night smiling full of joy you would never know but man we have you know and now you guys now this time 2022 you're actually reaping the benefits of the seed sown by people that really had to pay a price you know I mean there were times I would preach and wonder if when I walked out the door if they'd be waiting for me 
to take me away to interrogate me you know and that could still happen and I'm I don't really care I don't I'm not moved by that praise God times have surely changed but I just wanted to give you a little background so we established Pentecost and I'm not talking about a denomination I'm talking about an experience you know because I was born here in Turkey my parents are right there of course we all of us born here in Turkey we we moved to the United States when I was almost 13 first generation immigrant there still a Muslim then at age 17 God spoke to me in an audible voice that he has a plan for my life I begin to search my first year in college I heard the gospel and a couple of years later one of my friends who got saved born again led me to the Lord and but I didn't know anything about church so I ended up with the Southern Baptist Church you know and they don't believe in tongues or baptism in the Holy Spirit they're not Pentecostal so I didn't I didn't know anything about church so I didn't I didn't know any of these things but in 1995 I begin to press in because I started to read my Bible I started to study out and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself but basically I had my own personal Pentecost where the fire of God fell on me I received the baptism of fire and that's what changed everything and that's when I was also called into the ministry and a couple of months after that I came back to Turkey and started out in the ministry February of 1996 and so Pentecost you know I was talking to Pastor Gavel you know this is Pentecost Sunday he was like oh it is <laughs> because it's not something we necessarily pay attention because to us every Sunday is a Pentecost Sunday because we are a Pentecostal church and I'm not saying Pentecostal as a denomination I'm saying Pentecostal in experience every single person must have their own personal Pentecost that's what it comes down to hallelujah um, I'm gonna share something with you we're gonna receive our offering then I'm gonna continue on on this message but I want to share something with you that is vital to the message of this church you go with me to please second Corinthians chapter 9 now and I'll begin from verse 6 but you know honey like I mean when we came here we didn't have anything we just had a couple of suitcases clothes a few hundred bucks that was about it we were and the gift of faith because the Lord gave us a word that it was time to go and then our pastor released us confirmed it laid hands on us and said Lord let the same anointing that's on us and let the same gift of faith that's on us be upon them as they go so we came with almost nothing in the natural just a few hundred dollars and some clothes we were staying with different people that we knew you know and but we came on an assignment 
and throughout all these years now I've been to 25 countries other places in Europe I went to with nothing and churches sp sprung up and then a little over five years ago the Lord sent us to West Palm Beach we went again as missionaries as sent ones as, as apostles to establish the church in West Palm Beach to a city where nobody knows us nobody knew us we didn't know anybody I just had a word I had a dream to go to that city but we didn't just go based on a dream there was a lot of other things involved and a lot of confirmations a lot of prayer of over over a year of prayer we went this time with seven suitcases my wife and then and our daughter Gloria she was 12. again we had very little you know so just about everything we've done initially we never had what we needed in the natural but we had a word from the Lord and there's a key and I told the Lord I said Lord if you if you give me the key I'll duplicate that key and I'll give it to everybody okay because a lot of people they want to have the money I don't want to have the money I want to have the key you know I don't want to have the golden egg I want to have the goose that lays the golden egg I don't want to fish I want to I want to know how to fish see I can give you a fish you eat it it's over but if I teach you how to fish that's why Jesus said I'll make you fishers of men because that's where multiplication comes from the growth comes from and then when we came here I remember I mean of course the message on giving that's one that we've always been criticized for attacked for you know I never thought that people would be upset with getting blessed you know people are upset about with getting blessed they they, they don't they, they get they get offended when you preach on prosperity you know because because you have to break people out of that and just like that we came I came I mean let's just look at from the you know from the just African community again I'm just talking about I'm in the English service here but you know I mean when when I first came to your place you were living in this TBS <laughs> do you still call it TBS do they even know what TBS is who knows what TBS is I don't even know what TBS is I came and he was like in a, a basically that building should have been abandoned and tore down he was living with like seven other guys no running water I mean no hot water I mean it was just terrible and most of the Africans were in in bad shape and they would just did chabuk chabuk they worked in chabuk chabuk which basically just menial labor but we started to preach believe God for big things God's gonna bless you in this country God's gonna prosper you you're gonna own businesses you're gonna multiply you're gonna increase and I kept preaching this word preaching this word preaching this word and it began to get into people and then people begin to rise up and people begin to prosper people begin to you know advance and people begin to progress and this is such a key part of the message of revival the message on giving the message on believing God for big things the message on seeing the breakthrough okay and so when we came 
We didn't come with a bunch of money. You know, everybody thought we come, oh, they here come, they come from America. They come with a bunch of money. You know, I tell them, you know, when you go look for buildings, don't tell them our pastor's in America. Don't tell them that. Because they just think I'm going to show up with two suitcases with a hundred million dollar cash. You know, they just think, you know, every single place God sends you, you're going to have to be begin. You're going to have to start out not having enough. That's why when you look at it, you will just think, well, I have nothing. When Jesus, Jesus was preaching to the 5,000 men plus women and children, the day was late. And the disciples come to him and say, you know, the hour is late. People are hungry. They need to get something to eat. We should send them away. And then Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they freaked out. Like, how can we give them something to eat? One of them pops off and says, we need 200 denarii. That's like two-thirds of a year's income. So that's a lot of money. Several ten, tens of thousands of dollars. And then the other one says, hey, we have a small boy here that has five loaves and two fish. But we have nothing. See, we always think we have nothing. But we have something. And we have to understand that we have to operate in faith. We have to operate understanding the power of seed seed time and harvest time and believing god for big things and and and, and believing god to see the breakthrough why do you think we preach? and people think that we just preach this to get an offering this has nothing to do with an offering this actually has to do with a state of mind how you think how you see things how you're able to process things, how you're able to see beyond the natural, how you're able to see into the supernatural provision of God, how you're able to appropriate things by faith because it's only by faith you can reach out into the realm of the Spirit and bring into manifestation things that are unseen where they can become seen in the realm of the natural. And many people live in the realm of the natural. They walk by sight. But the Bible tells us not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith and faith is based on having a revelation one word from God can change everything one word from God can change everything when you have a word from God that's all you need and you just have to step out in faith and obey and so we came here totally in faith I went to many countries totally in faith went back you know went to west palm beach totally in faith we operate out of the realm of faith not the realm of senses not the realm of the five senses the natural what you see what you hear you cannot operate out of that realm you have to operate out of the realm of faith and faith begins where the will of god is known so once you have a word from god you step out in faith to do that now sometimes the step is too big you need some confirmation that's why you better have some people that speak into your life because if you instead of being in faith you can end up being in foolishness taking a step out of time out of wrong direction wrong timing and it'll it'll, it'll be a big mess you know the whole thing will fall apart and whatever you start out in the flesh you're gonna have to keep it going in the flesh and it's going to be hard it's going to be really hard 
but whatever when you have a word from God that comes into your spirit and it's energized in your spirit it burns like a fire it's not my word like a fire and when it begins to burn like a fire in your belly you know that you know that you know you have a word from God that's burning in your belly and I'm not talking about hype hype wears off that's why you got to sit on it make sure that it's not hype after two or three days the hype will wear off and then now you really know what you got in there and then especially when that word gets challenged and there is no hype but nothing but negative feelings about it negative thoughts that come to you contrary that's why you got to hold on to that word and you say bless God I have a word and what is that word that word is God's seed God seeding you God has seeded you his word and that word is the seed of faith that's going to produce faith in you but once you have that seed that faith now you have to act on it you can't just sit and wait for something to happen you can't just sit wait for the angel to come and stir the waters you have to stir the waters yourself How do you stir the waters? You take that word, that seed, and you say, "Bless God, I got a word from God. That's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe it. I'm gonna obey it, and I'm gonna step out in faith to do what I need to do. You do your part, then God shows up to do His part. Because the only way to tap into God's grace, which is His supernatural ability, is to be in faith." I mean salvation is God's grace how do you receive it by faith healing God's grace how do you receive it by faith provision it's God's grace how do you receive it by faith prosperity God's grace how do you receive it by faith all of these things we have to receive by faith so when God puts a word in your spirit now you have to take that word and you have to believe it and now you have to step out in faith you have to obey because he's going to call you he's going to speak to you and he's and it's gonna that word is going to challenge you your knees will begin to have fellowship one with the other So when you take that word and then you look at what you have in your hands it's gonna seem like nothing Lord I don't have enough to get the job done what you need is the anointing to get the job done because the anointing is the supernatural equipment to get the job done you understand me but the only way to tap into the anointing which which is God's supernatural power that's going to be released upon your life for you to step into the realm of the supernatural to to the realm of the impossibilities becoming possible in your life is by faith so you take that word and you you activate you release the anointing and the way that we have operated all these years and still do and have taught people to operate is by understanding seed time and harvest time everyone say seed time, seed time. Harvest, time. harvest time 
how many of you realize if if you don't obey seed time there is no harvest time if you don't sow seed there is no harvest there's no harvest so here in second corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 it says but this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for god loves a cheerful giver so let's stop there what do you see you see amount you see attitude and you see action i call it the triple a of giving the amount does matter you sow little you reap little you sow much you reap much the attitude is also important what kind of attitude cheerful attitude not grudging not you know not of necessity because nobody's forcing you nobody's putting a gun to your head to do it even when God spoke to me I mean he never put a gun to my head he said it was it's always an invitation when God calls you and speaks to you it's always an invitation he can't force you to do anything we all have a free will and we have to submit our will to the will of God it's our choice we have to make a choice faith is a choice I choose to obey I choose to believe God's word I choose to do what he called me to do it's a choice and every single one we're gonna have to end up giving an account for the choices we made many are called few are chosen why because they made the choice to say yes Lord and many others out there they don't they don't obey they flounder around aimlessly I remember one time there was a an African brother that came up to me after service here said pastor I should have come to Bible school five years ago I said do you realize you could have already graduated by now and you could already be moving in the direction God has for you but now you're behind will you do it now he says well I kind of missed the boat I said it's never too late he didn't do it because you you're either gonna listen you're either gonna make excuses right amen you're either gonna make excuses or you're gonna make progress I just choose not to make excuses because you can always find an excuse excuses are plenty Moses said Lord I'm old I have a stutter you know I'm alone I'm this I'm that you can always make excuses we can all make excuses Lord I you know so and so betrayed me you know how many times I've been betrayed by people I helped you help them you help them and they don't even say thank you they stop calling they stop responding and then you find out now they're talking ugly about you it's like okay well you know what thank God I did it on to the Lord I didn't don't do it on to men do it on to the Lord if you don't if you do it on to men you're always going to be disappointed because you're always expecting something back from somebody just do it on to the Lord and it's my seed I blessed them I sowed it and when I realized that I sowed it as a seed 
then I have a harvest no matter how they respond and how they act if I walk in love if I walked if I walk you know then I'm, I'm gonna be blessed that's why I tell people all the time I'm not blessed by your giving I'm blessed by my giving because I'm a giver I'm blessed amen God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you ask or think. Amen. Two weeks ago, I was thinking, I'd like to give Pastor Gabriel a watch when I go there. Three days later, a watch comes to me. A Swiss watch. I think it's got diamonds on it. I think those are diamonds. I was like, praise God, this is the watch I want to give him. Because it's not my style. It's not my style. It's not my style, but, you know, he likes it. I mean, you know, you, you just... I'm thinking about what can I give when I get there, you know. And then I, we have the banquet. I said, I want to pay for that. I'm leaving. Somebody hands me an envelope. And then there was enough money to pay for the banquet. I said, oh, I want to pay for the banquet. Uh, you know, because you, you, you got to come to give. I'm, I didn't come here to receive. I receive your love. I receive your blessing, hugs. But I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm here to give. So I, I just operate in the realm of giving. When we came to Turkey, people said the same thing. Oh, he came from America and he's taking our money. People were saying that. Little did they know, I preached my heart out, received the offering, 25 bucks in the hotel. I got to pay the hotel 100 bucks. So I have to go and make up the difference from, from my pocket to pay them so that they will allow us to come back little did they know i mean many times we paid things for the ministry when we didn't pay things for ourselves but i knew always that if i took care of god's house he was going to take care of our house amen, amen. when we went to america we went to bank of america we opened up our accounts and everything and then we opened up our account deposited some money and you know they gave us cards and whatever it's like Two or three days later i get a phone call they said hello this is bank of america mortgage services a lady hello this is you know <laughs> i'm calling you this is what she said listen to this I, this is crazy i'm calling you to tell you that you cannot buy a house what where are you coming where are you coming from lady I, i'm not even trying to buy a house well you know you just opened an account when you open an account your information goes to all the different departments we are from the mortgage services you know financing of house purchases and i just want to call you and tell you that you can't buy a house i said lady i didn't ask your opinion first i was nice to her but she insisted third time she said i'm just telling you that you can't buy now i'm upset I was nice now I'm like irritated and she says it could be five to ten years before you you're even established because you just came to America before you can establish to have the credit and all this stuff and out of my spirit you ready for this and that was April last week of April 2017 we had just got there all right out of my spirit came these words lady i will buy a house in two years thank you for stirring up faith in me 
she just looked at me. I mean, she, she probably looked at me. I didn't see how she... Out of my spirit, I said, lady, now that you've irritated me, basically, I'll buy a house in two years. And then she said, that's impossible, sir. I said, we'll see. Thank you for calling. God bless you. Have a nice day. I hung up on her. Exactly two years. Exactly two years to that date, we moved into the house we bought. She said it was impossible. Okay, we'll see. Lord, it's impossible for us to feed 5,000 families. We only have five loaves and two fish. Really? Bring it here. He took it. He looked up. Everyone say, he looked up. Then he blessed it. Everyone say, he blessed it. What does that word bless? means be fruitful, multiply, increase. Come on, somebody say, he, he commanded increase. Come on, say somebody. Somebody say, he commanded increase. He commanded it to multiply. He commanded it to replenish empty bellies and then he broke it up and gave it to the disciples and they all went as Jesus said you give them something to eat they ended up giving the people something to eat and then they come back each with one full basket 12 baskets full each disciple had a basket full there was such an overflow because he commanded the blessing on it but he, it all started out with a seed but faith had to be released through that seed so let each one give as he purposes in his heart that's a decision that's action not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver that's attitude and God you ready for this come on lift your hands and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work look at this all grace always all things abundance where do you see lack in that where do you see poverty in that So God's not against us being blessed and prosperous. He's just against us getting greedy and turning our backs on Him. For do not forget the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to create wealth, so that He may establish His covenant. And what does that mean? Establishing His covenant means God has a responsibility and you have a responsibility. In the covenant, we all have our part to play. When we play our part to establish His covenant, His kingdom, then He finds us as kingdom builders and He'll bless you and He'll prosper you. He'll multiply you. I don't care what the World Economic Forum is planning. I don't care what the devilish globalists are planning. They're saying get ready for shortages. Get ready for global economic collapse. It's all manufactured. It's all manufactured. It's all by design. It's all by manipulation. They said in America, headlines last Sunday in all the American uh, mainstream media outlets, the propaganda machines of the Antichrist globalists. 
there will be beef shortages in America. And then the next day, Bill Gates. We have to manufacture synthetic beef in laboratories to feed people. It'll be a cold day in hell before I eat your stinking synthetic beef. You devil. But that's how they operate. But people believe it because they're in fear. They are in fear that there's going to be lack. There's going to be famine. Guess what? There could be the worst famine. And you will still prosper and you'll still increase a hundredfold. Isaac sowed seed in the middle of the famine and in the same year he prospered, he increased a hundredfold. So in Matthew 3 11, there's a verse of scripture that changed my life. And when I say it changed my life, here's how it changed my life. Shortly after, after I received the call to the ministry, it was a supernatural encounter. The glory of God came and touched me. And I'll share, share more about that next time I'm with you for the lack of time because we got three services here back to back to back. But I knew that I knew that I knew God called me. But it's one thing to be called. It's another thing to be equipped for the call. See, I've seen a lot of people, they, they claim they're called, but they're, they've never been equipped. They've never taken the time to prepare. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to, you know, bake a cake and just take a bunch of things and, and just throw them into the oven. I mean, you have to put everything in. There's a whole process involved in preparation. You know, there's always a process involved in preparation. So I was just crying out to the Lord to speak to me about, you know, what he would have me do. I knew that he called me now how, how am I going to go about this and what happened when I was in the Baptist church they never told us anything about the Holy Spirit I'd ask questions but the only thing they well they did tell me one thing about the Holy Spirit they said well he'll help you read your Bible so ask the Holy Spirit when you read your Bible to help you I said okay praise God so I asked the Holy Spirit to help me and I read the book of Acts then, of course, I became a troublemaker to the Baptists. I began to ask questions. Of, well, what is all this? Because I didn't see any of it in the church. And I had supernatural encounters throughout my, my salvation. So I knew that God moves supernaturally. So I said, well, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, what do you mean it doesn't happen anymore? They get to have all this in the book of Acts and we don't get to have anything now? That makes no sense. And then others would just say, well, you asked too many questions. That's exactly what happened to me in religion. That's why I wanted to have nothing to do with religion because they told me to stop asking questions. So I began to cry out to the Lord. And one day, one morning, having read the book of Acts, I kept going back, reading the book of Acts, crying out for that supernatural to come into my life. Somehow I found my way into Matthew 3.11 and as I was reading this where John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And that word mighty there is the same word power, dunamis. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the moment I read that verse, it was like that verse just became alive. The best way I can explain it, it was almost like that verse just jumped off the page and just grabbed me. 
and just like shook me. It's the best way I can explain it. That, that verse just like, it hit me. It, it just, boom, it, it smacked me. It became alive. It became real. And I knew that I knew God was speaking to me and concerning, and this was what went over in my mind and my spirit. I know repentance. I have repented. I'm already saved, born again. I know water baptism. I've already been water baptized. But what is this baptism with the Holy Ghost and fire? You know, I couldn't answer the question. Like, I couldn't say, yes, I have that. If you can't say, yes, I have that, then you, you don't have it. Because if you have something, you know that you know you have it. And so I was thinking to myself, I don't have this. And then I remember Jesus mentioned this in book of Acts chapter 1. He said, John baptized you with water. In a few days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave, tarry you in Jerusalem. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 1 verse 8, his last words before he ascended to the clouds. He said, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. Dunamis. And then you shall be witnesses unto me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the world. So immediately, it just, it just hit me. I begin to cry out to God. I mean, in my living room, I said, God, I want this fire. I want your power. And I did that for about five minutes. I mean, I'm just shouting, God, I want this power. I need it. You called me, I have to have the fire. I have to have this baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. Send your fire. I'm in a living room now, not church. I've never seen it in church. I'm in a living room. And all of a sudden, it was like somebody took a bucket of petrol. And dumped it on me and it was like somebody took a match and lit the match and put it on my head it was like right on the top of my head it was like this it was like a bolt of lightning hit me it was like being struck by lightning it's like it hit me and it went right through my shoulders right through my body and it was like this fire that came all over me and it was like this mighty power that just came all over me and began to shake me I mean it was like a fire just came right on me I mean it was like being struck by lightning it was like taking your finger and putting it in the light socket I mean just throughout my entire body from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet into my bones I was I thought I was going to explode this power that was surging through my body was almost unbearable and i couldn't even stand on my feet i fell on my knees i fell on my face and this ball of fire came into the living room and this waves and waves of flames were just coming out of this ball just hitting me boom 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 and it was just going through me surging through me surging through me over and over again and I was just shaking under the power of God I was weeping I was laughing at the same time and then I began to speak with tongues and 
it was like my tongue was on fire it was like my tongue was going to shoot out of my mouth like a like a rocket and I after about a few minutes I was like God I can't take this anymore for 45 minutes I was just under the power of God it was like and then I just thought I'm going to die here now my arms are going to rip off of my body that's what it felt like because it's a it's a fire it's a power that comes within and because it's inside it affects your body we are spirit soul and body and it is a spiritual force but man it affects everything it affects your soul it affects your body and I'm just shaking under the power of God and I said God I can't take this anymore after about 45 minutes it became lighter on me but I could still feel it it felt like it was feeling like electricity was just traveling through my body and for like several days I walked around like almost almost like I was a drunk man And I was brought to it. I came to a church in Ankara, Turkey, a few days later. Service was dead. After the service, there was a Korean lady, a missionary. She brings to me a 17-year-old girl. She had the headscarf and everything. A Turkish Muslim girl had the headscarf, everything, you know. And, he, and she said, I heard about what happened to you. Would you pray for this girl? I said what's wrong with her and so she lifted up her headscarf and there was a tumor the size of a lemon on the side of her neck right here and so I just and I tell you this is what happened I felt now I didn't know anybody could ever do this Later on, I found out about evangelists that literally ripped tumors off of people's faces. I felt like reaching out and I felt so angry. I just wanted to rip that off of her neck. But I didn't do it because I didn't know. I'd never heard of it. it. Felt like that. But I remembered, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I took my hand and I went and I touched that tumor, the side of her neck. And then she screamed, she goes, Ah! Abi, Abi, yaktın beni. You, you burnt me. Abi. And then when she said that, my whole arm was burning like fire, tingling with like this electricity, just surging, like a surging power on my, on my arm. And I went like this, wow. <laughs> Never had happened before. And she starts weeping, shaking. And then out of, out of my spirit, I said these words. And I'd never heard anybody pray like this because the Baptists don't pray like this. I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this tumor to dissolve. I know it was the Holy Ghost speaking because I never heard anybody pray like that. It was almost like I was outside of my body watching this thing happen. So the, she, the girl's crying. <laughs> and then... The lady, Korean lady, takes her away, and I'm I'm standing there looking at my arm like this. This this thing's like a bazooka. <laughs> it's one thing for the fire of God to come on you. It's another thing when you feel it like flowing out of you and touching somebody else, you know. So I go, and then the next day the Korean lady calls me. She says, "You need to come over here right now." I'm like, "Where? Where are you?" 
she goes, well, you got to come and talk to the girl's parents. Well, what do you mean? Well, she's been crying all day, shaking, sitting in the living room. She said, the tumor is gone. And the parents want to know what happened. Because I told them I was taking her for ice cream, but I brought her to church. If they find out they're going to kill me, they're going to kill her. You better come talk to them. And they were in a part of town. I didn't even know how to get there. By the time I took three buses, I was like two hours later, I'm there. And there's an angry man sitting there. What have you done to my daughter? You the one, you the one responsible. <laughs> so I just sat there. I told them my whole story. My whole testimony, what happened. I was in Matthew 3.11. Fire come on me. came on me. And then today, I mean yesterday, I was like, fire came out of me. Fire burnt that thing off of your daughter. That's Jesus. He healed her. And the man's crying. His wife is crying. I said, can we pray? And I said, I asked them to pray. And they prayed and they received Jesus into their heart. The man shook my hand and thanked me. And then I walked out thinking, wow, that was the first week of my ministry. And um, that's basically how it's always been. But a lot of it has been sort of in the backside of the desert, you know. Not a lot of fame and fortune or notoriety, but just releasing the anointing on people. And all these years releasing the anointing on people. As my wife, Pastor Ross said, it's all about the anointing. Without the anointing, you can do nothing of any eternal or kingdom value. It's all about the anointing. And I mean, I look back on the days when we started the church. I mean, I was, a, I was young. I was a young minister. I didn't know a whole lot. I mean, I knew a lot, but not as much as I know now, of course. But one thing I did know was the anointing. If I could just get, get people to get hungry and thirsty for God and if I could just release the anointing on them I knew that they would never be the same again just one touch they could just get one touch from heaven they would never be the same again would you lift your hands to the Lord right now father in the name of Jesus I know right now we got many services here today and we're starting to run out of time here but it doesn't matter I don't I don't really care about time the most important thing is we need a release of the anointing in this place on this Pentecost Sunday the most important thing is that we honor the Holy Spirit he's the one who comes to baptize with fire and fill us with power and he's not just a feeling he's a person we honor the person of the Holy Spirit the third person of the Godhead Holy Spirit we love you we thank you without you we have nothing and right now in the mighty name of Jesus I release a fresh anointing on your people from the top of their heads down to the soles of their feet in Jesus mighty name let the fire 